This episode is sponsored by Visual Media. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business looking to take your brand to the next level? Then Visual Media is the service for you. Visual Media is a video production company who specializes in creating high-quality visual content for social media, websites, and online courses. Head over to Visual Media on Instagram and drop Resilience in their DM to get started. That's V-Z-U-A-L-M-E-D-I-A underscore to get started. What's up, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, the number one podcast for anyone looking to have a greater human experience. What's going on, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, and our guest today is a special certain someone. April Harley. April, welcome to the show. Thank you. Of course, of course. So, April, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I have a degree in human resources. Mm -hmm. I'm a manager for a um, big corporation that shall not be named. Um, (laughs) I'm a cat mom. Um, I'm a baker during baking season, which is right now. Yeah. During baking season. So is baking season like only a set time? Yeah, it's uh, September 22nd, first day of fall, till probably January 1st, then I'm done. Is that like a, (laughs) is that like a, like, um, uh, is that just a you thing? Uh, probably. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, because people bake, people bake to like release stress and just baking just because they like to bake, but you only bake from that from September 22nd to January 1st. What is your favorite thing to bake? Um, probably cupcakes or like mini cakes. Like, mm. like, like mini bun know. cakes? No, no, like a six inch cake. I don't want to do a full cake. I want to do a single size cake. So, so you do. You, so you're baking for one. Um, yeah. So you you just like just I, enough. <laughs> just enough <laughs> to to get that hit that uh that sweet spot, huh? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. This episode is going to be awesome. I cannot wait. Um, April, what? Let me see. Where do we, where do I want to start? Oh, man. Okay. So let's, let's start from the very beginning. Um, How was your growing up? How was your upbringing? What what did that consist of? Um, So I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina, which is maybe like 45 minutes outside of Asheville. Um, I was raised by a single dad, which is different. Most people, it's a single mom. Me, it was a single dad. Um, he did his best. <laughs> um, I have an older brother and an older sister. Um, my brother is 34. Yes, 34. <laughs> my sister, too. Um, so I was definitely the accident child. Um, they're like two years apart. Seven years later, I showed up. Um, yeah, it was interesting my siblings were interesting growing up um and they were just a lot so I was just the good kid you mean like 
like growing up, like they had your dad like doing a bunch, like they doing the most, going <laughs> doing the most. Um, it's usually one troubled child. So, so your dad had two troubled children. Yeah. Goodness gracious, he had his hands full. Yeah, and they were a lot. So, so, so you had to step in into the role of the the good kid. Yeah. So I remember probably as early as like five, um, people, my siblings included, um, aunts, uncles, whatever, would always say, okay, like your brother and sister are like really bad. So you have to be the good kid. You have to make your dad proud. You have to, you know, you have to be the one to graduate high school. You have to be the one to go to college. You have to like build this life for yourself because their expectations for my brother and sister were like zero. So it was drilled into me. You need to make your dad proud because no one else is doing <laughs> no it. No one else did. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, why do you think your older brother and sister, why do you think they acted the way they acted? So my parents divorced literally probably six months after I was born. Um, and my brother and sister were nine and seven at that time. Mm -hmm. So they were, you know, went through the divorce, saw all the things. Um, and during that time, my mom was, uh, she was cheating on my dad. She was involved in drugs, um, things like that. And luckily for me, my dad had, you know, he got custody of all of us, but I was too young to want a say, obviously, because yeah. a newborn. Um, and I think he like officially got custody of me when I was two. Um, but obviously I didn't like want or have a say. And as we got older, my brother and sister, you know, started going to my mom's and like, my dad didn't keep them from her. But I never did that because I just wasn't interested. And then when I did meet her, like meet her, meet her, I was probably eight, nine. And I kind of saw what I needed to see. And I still wasn't super interested in like being there all the time like they were. Yeah. So I just only my dad to look up to. And I didn't know anything different where I think they went through the divorce. But my mom was also... I, you know, not the best person at the time. Gotcha. Gotcha. So they were probably acting out um, just what divorced the, the, the thing that divorce brings when you have children involved, um, yeah. the, the behavior, um, the attitudes, uh, probably a little heightened. I mean, obviously teenagers, you know, teenagers I, I don't know about you I was a wild well I don't say wild um if I got caught doing half of the stuff that I was doing yeah definitely a wild child you know but when it came to me and my siblings like I was probably the chiller one my uh my sister Courtney she she was definitely the trouble child she was always doing, just doing, just doing stuff, rebelling, like just, just being a rebel. Like my parents weren't divorced. She was just being a rebel. Um, and then my older sister, she was moved out the house and stuff by the time I could even put words together. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So how did that, how did you, you know, being labeled 
as the good child. How did that work in your mind? What did that look like? Um, I, I just knew growing up, I could not do the things my siblings did. Um, did you want to? Not really, because I was so scared of not making my dad proud. I was so scared to end up like them mm -hmm. that I was like too scared to do those things. Um, so I just like remember like once grades started becoming really important, like my dad would give me like $5 for every A and like, you know, $3 for every B. And like, I would just be so upset if I ever got below a B, like I would just like lose it and like things don't come that didn't come easily to me in school like I really had to study and work for it so if I wasn't perfect it really got to me and then in high school especially like I really felt the pressure like I have to like go to college I have to get a good degree I have to get a good job because like that's when I felt more pressure than ever because when I was in high school both of my siblings were in jail <laughs> so it was kind of like you go to college while they're doing that. So wait a minute. Yeah. So, so I met troubled children. <laughs> wait. So both of your older siblings were in jail when you both, were in high school. Yes, both of my siblings have been in and out of jail since they were um, probably sixteen. Yeah. So you really, really had to show up and be the the good child. Like there was no. Did you ever find yourself in uh, in a situation that wasn't good, and then like were were absolutely petrified? Yeah. So, and when I was in high school, I was probably fifteen. I. Hang, hung out with my friends went to like a birthday sleepover whatever um they started smoking and I was I gave an easily to peer pressure so I did it and I remember my dad was coming to pick me up and I sprayed like probably a bottle of perfume on myself and like the guilt was eating me alive I'm like he's gonna pull it on me he's going to know what I did he I, everything I've done up until this point doesn't matter I just screwed up um he never found out. <laughs> so you never told him? I never told him. I thought you were about to leave right into, like, as soon as I got into the car, I just couldn't take it. <laughs> no. Told him. And, and I got it. I remember when I was 18, I got my tattoo. I didn't tell him about that. I lied at first and said it was a henna tattoo. Um, obviously, eventually he found out. He's not stupid. But even that, I was like, he's going to be mad at me. He but that's the time you're 18. Yeah, I, it doesn't matter. It's still like it didn't matter to me. I over like only the past couple of years have I started to be like, okay, he's fine. <laughs> like, gotcha. And okay, so the past couple of years, um, how did how did how did April get from being really really hard on herself and trying to be the good kid to you know what I'm gonna live my life and show up for myself. What happened in the between the between time? So, okay, the best way I can describe this is I think part of me having to mature at a really young age because my dad was just too busy with other things for me to just be a normal kid, which, like I said, he did his best. But 
it also like it was kind of lonely so i had a habit also of settling for relationships that were less than what they should have been and i think the thing that really propelled me into who i am now to be like okay i don't have to settle i don't have to worry about what my dad thinks is when my engagement ended that was like i became a completely different person mm. your engagement ended yes <laughs> what how long were you engaged for engaged for two years you were engaged for two years and your engagement ended yes abruptly Last, abruptly very abruptly um within like 30 minutes it was like <laughs> i found out he was cheating and then he was out of my house not even 30 minutes later so wow so okay so you said you you settled because you were lonely so you settled for relationships that probably weren't what they should have been what you you what you knew know you deserved yeah was that one of those relationships a hundred percent um looking back at it finding out he was cheating on me is the best possible thing that could have happened to me um just because even outside of that the relationship wasn't healthy wasn't good um I think part of me, you know, wanting to like people please was that I very much took care of him. Like he moved into my house. Like I helped him find like his job post military. Like I just did everything for him um, and expected nothing in return. And it really wasn't a partnership. It was me taking care of him. Mm, you mothered him. A hundred percent. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so okay so people pleasing you gotta be the good kid dealing and settling for in relationships that you deserve better how did you like what happened when you knew you deserved better like okay so you got the engagement broken off um did you go to therapy or did was there anything in between there that helped you get through that well, yeah, so I've been in therapy since like 2018, um, and I've gone a lot. And the thing about therapy is it doesn't work unless you do. Um, a lot of work, and I think a lot of people don't realize that at first, um, just how much work you have to do outside of that session and inside. Um, so, like, I had kind of healed, like, my people-pleasing tendencies, except for in relationships. I kind of, like started to get over imposter syndrome, um, childhood trauma, like really just bringing all that up and talking about it had been kind of healed. But I guess I didn't realize until the engagement ended how much work I still had left to do. Yeah. And I'm oh, I've worked so hard on all these other things, but I was still settling for less. I was still unsure of myself sometimes. And so I think when I realized how much work I still had left and was in therapy, that's when it started clicking for me. Like this is my life and I've got to make it the best I can because I've already done all these things. So I just need to do the rest. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Therapy is big. Therapy is, is definitely something that helped me and helps tons of people uh, just cope with life. Cause sometimes life is just heavy. Life can get difficult. So having that outlet, an unbiased person that you can go to and talk to and, you know, they're licensed and they're professional 
in whatever it is that they're, you know, they're doing to help you. Um, is there a specific assignment, a specific um, tool that your therapist used that really, really helped you break through? Yeah, so I actually just at the beginning of September finished trauma therapy and it was traumatic. <laughs> it was probably one of the most intense things I've ever done. It required a ton of homework. Um, but when you do that, you do like all these different handouts. The one that was most beneficial for me was uh, challenging like problematic thoughts in your stuck points. So the whole theory is when you have trauma, you have stuck points, like thoughts in your brain that you can't get out of, things you wholeheartedly believe. So like you write down your thought, like what you believe to be true, how much you believe it to be true. Then you start challenging it. Is mm -hmm. this a is this a fact what's your evidence for it what's your evidence against it like is this a habit is like what are you not considering what are the different outliers like okay what happens if it is true and you just write down every single thing to like challenge it and there's like 13 different questions you have to ask yourself about this thought but it really challenges the negative thoughts you have and where you're stuck mm, that's good yeah that's good because I mean, I think at one point or another, everyone suffers from that negative, those negative thoughts, especially mm -hmm. negative self-talk. Mm -hmm. um, so that is a, a great tool um, that I'm sure has helped you like tremendously in, yeah. in realigning or maybe not even realigning, but finding who you, who you are, you know, mm -hmm. It's what it sounds like is that for darn near you're in dreads for your entire life, you've lived someone else's shoes. You've mm -hmm. walked in sh someone else's shoes, should I say. Um, yeah. So I guess in the past few months, you've been at the shoe store trying to own your own shoes, right? Yeah. And, and, and taking a walk around the block and really, really getting to know you mm -hmm. gotcha gotcha okay it also just kind of separates who you are from the trauma because i think a lot of people carry their trauma as who they are like mm -hmm. this thing so this is my personality and i do these things because of my trauma and letting that go you do have to figure out oh okay who am i outside of all the things that have happened like because there's someone underneath that Gotcha. And, and also looking at it, like a lot of people use their trauma as a crutch. It is, it is, um, it's their excuse. Just like uh, I'm a Gemini, so I get to act like an ass, right? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Gemini. So I get to, you know, this is always who I've been when mm -hmm. that's, that's not, that's not true. And you can also change it. That's not fact. Shall I say you can, Maybe that is all you've ever been, but you have only you can change that, you know? Yeah. Um, cool, cool, cool. Okay. So back to, I want to go back a little bit because okay. April. So you were the good kid, uh -huh. right? Were you ever the bad kid? Like, did have you ever been in a position that, 
and and maybe not as a child, maybe like as an adult. Like, have you ever done any stuff that was just like, yo, I could not believe I just did that. Hey, hey, hey. If you're enjoying this content, do not forget to rate and review. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to rate and review. It helps us reach more people in more ways. Now, let's get back to some resilience. A hundred percent. I think exactly like from like 19 to 22. I don't know who that was. Like, I don't know. Um, I did some really questionable things. Um, like I went to music festivals and would just stay drunk for four days at a time. And that was cool with me. Like, um, I, you know, have tried way more than I ever expected to try in my life. But it was just like, yeah, I have put myself in some questionable situations from that age period. <laughs> you've, you've learned a lot about yourself, huh? <laughs> it's like, that's who, that's who I used to be. I'm no longer that person. <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk about Bruno, right? I'm cracking up. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. So you are... Tw- 25 25 25 okay what what does 25-year-old April has to have to say to 5-year-old April oh god um you're going to be good you're going to make mistakes the expectation to be perfect is unrealistic but showing up and you doing your best makes people proud makes people they see you no matter what um, and you're going to do some stupid things, but you'll get there. Like you, you will get there. Just keep going. That's exciting. That's exciting. I don't think I've ever asked that question. And that was, that just came out of nowhere. Um, okay. So what does, what does 25 year old April have to say to 19 year old April? You know what? She deserved that phase. She deserved it. Live it up experience those things but eventually we're going to get it together and like actually start healing so like that phase was deserved she had her moment but let's not carry on (laughs) (laughs) was that your was that was that your rebellious phase like Yeah. yeah gotcha gotcha I think we all have something like that you know at one point or another um, even like kids who grew up like regular as heck, you know, <laughs> they have like both parents and, you know, they're not rich, but they're not poor, you know, stuff like that. Even they have that phase where they're just like, freak all it is, it's lit, um, YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> um, what... What does future April look like? What is future April doing? Um, oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she, I don't think we'll ever be done with therapy. I think it's an ongoing journey because like you said, it's just good for life. Even some weeks I don't have a ton to talk about. I still just want to talk. Um, so I don't know. I just, 
she's healing. She's fine. She's gotten past all of her trauma. She she's found someone nice and normal, and she's in a healthy relationship. And yeah, I just want her to be happy and like content and not stressed. Gotcha. Happy and content. Are you are you currently stressed? Um, not necessarily. Um, I. I guess I see the future of myself. So I know I'm not there yet. So I'm like happy, but I'm not content. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. If you could, and this is a, this is another random question, right? If you could choose your dream job, like mm-hmm. what would it be? nothing (laughs) um april does not want to work (laughs) y'all she said prepare to others because i won't be there (laughs) i think i could not work um honestly it would still be in human resources but i've actually thought so many times about doing social work instead um just to help kids who are in difficult home situations um so I think that would be like something eventually I don't know that's something I'd have to kind of mentally and emotionally prepare myself for because I hear so many horror stories about like what they see and go through and you know they're not compensated well for it at all yeah eventually. I mean you've seen case 30 no you probably haven't <laughs> Case 39, I encourage you to watch it, especially because it's spooky season and it's a spooky movie. So Case 39, after you watch it, we're going to have to get back together and tell me what you think. And tell me if you still want to be a social worker. Okay, thank you. You're going to scare me off my dream job. (laughs) No. I mean, the likelihood of this scenario happening is like, it depends on what you believe in. (laughs) But... It is a really, really good movie. Um, what we say in case is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? No. Again, it it hundred and ten percent. It it completely depends on what you believe in. If you believe that this type of thing could happen, then then it can. <laughs> then it can. Like, I mean, but. Again, it's a it's a very very extreme point, you know. But there could be some truth within it. Um, so it'd be that that conversation will be interesting. Um, what 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 is one thing that you would share? One tip, one strategy, one something that could help someone. Who is suffering from imposter syndrome? Um, one thing I had to do a lot was just write down all the work I did to get to where I was. Like, how many hours did I spend in therapy? How many hours did I spend in school? Like, what were my grades? Just whatever it was that I was like, I don't deserve this. I'm like, people are going to find me out. Like, I just got lucky. I just wrote down all the work I'd already done, like 
everything that I knew to be a fact that I physically did because I know I was there. So there's no way I could be thinking it because I was there for those things. Um, that was my biggest thing. And I, I mean, I hung out on my mirror for the longest time where I just looked at it every day. Like I did these things. I'm supposed to be here. Like I deserve this. This is real. So, so not looking for validation anywhere else except inside you're you I like that I yeah. like that that's self-validation um so often we are caught in the web of relying on other people to to bring us happiness to validate us um to to affirm us when we can't even value what anyone else is saying because we don't believe that for ourselves yeah so I think that is a great, that's a great tool. Um, that's a gem. That's a bar. Like if you're struggling with imposter syndrome or anything along those lines, I think that tip was definitely, or will definitely be effective and beneficial for you to add to your routine. Um, and speaking of routines, do you have a, like a routine, a daily ritual, um, some a nightly ritual something that you do um consistently that helps you uh have a greater human experience yes yeah, so every morning i wake up probably like an hour before i really need to um i'll have my coffee like just sit and chill for a minute but i journal every morning and the things that i journal is i do affirmations gratitudes intentions so i do four or five affirmations for the day then i do five things I'm grateful for that day. And then I do five things like that I'm setting forth for my day, like what I intend to do, what kind of day I want to have. And it helps me a lot every morning, just getting a better mindset for my day. What have you, when you find yourself maybe a little um, blocked for time or you didn't, you didn't do it that morning. Can mm -hmm. you tell, like, do you, do you feel a difference within yourself? I can. I can tell when I'm off my routine in any kind of capacity. Over the past year, that's something that's like really been important to me is like sticking to my routines and like doing them intentionally because it's how I pour into myself. So especially with my job, if I don't pour into myself before I go in and then I'm expected to pour into other people all day, I feel so much more irritable so much more tired at the end of the day like I just like I think others can also probably tell what I haven't poured into myself <laughs> others probably definitely can <laughs> probably definitely can tell when April has not poured into April the way she needs to and the way she should the way she deserves to yeah probably probably <laughs> I'm cracking up right now. Oh, I didn't expect this interview to be, it's not even hard. It's not even hard. I'm just trying to keep it together. <laughs> I was trying to keep it together. <laughs> what, what, is, what does April love to do? Like outside of work, you know, just by yourself or whatever like what is something that you really enjoy doing 
So like my perfect day off, right? I'm off for the day. I'm still going to get up early. I'm always up by like seven. I really just can't help it. Um, if it's a Sunday, I love going to the lake. I love walking around the lake. It's so quiet, so peaceful. Um, have my cup of coffee. Um, I love doing like a Sunday reset as well. Like I deep clean my house, like do my laundry, like all those like tedious tasks I love. Um, go to Target, go to Starbucks, you know, the basic things. <laughs> um, but then I love like, I love going to the gym every day. If I don't go, that's another thing like that I'm not pouring into myself really affects me just because it's an hour of just me, my thoughts. I put my phone on do not disturb. Um, it makes me feel good. I love doing that. I love cooking, baking, um, especially during this season. Um, I like being intentional every day. I like being intentional with what I do and how it's making me feel and just doing things for myself and pouring into myself. Um, and I think, I think, what am I trying to say? Not I think, but your ability, ability to pour into yourself so much now, um, do you think you'd have that ability if you had a different upbringing probably not because i think it wouldn't have been something i had to think about mm. and when that was ever conscious in my mind which i'm learning about a lot of things right now like i'm doing things very consciously that i never thought i would have to think about and i do now and it's for the best like i love knowing that i do those things and it also i feel like i can like tell other people like okay like just be intentional like just like it's fine to be intentional for yourself but i don't think i would have had to ever think about it so probably not gotcha gotcha okay i didn't want to assume <laughs> I, felt, I felt I felt like I knew the answer, but I also, you know, I didn't want to assume because you could have said something totally different. And I would have been like, oh, I'm wrong in my head. Okay. All right. Um <sighs> what? What is your goal for this upcoming year? What does 2023 entail? And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. But yeah. something that maybe you've been thinking about for a while and you're like, you know what, I want to put the wheels in motion. Um, definitely stay on my gym game, my eating healthy game. Uh, I don't like, okay, I hate making New Year's resolutions. I hate them <laughs> so much. So I'm not a New Year's resolution kind of person. Um, definitely that, though. I'm trying to read more it's going pretty well. I'm trying to read more. Um, and my main thing is to spend less time on my phone. I'm on my phone all the time. I like want to throw it in a room. <laughs> like I love it so much. And also, I mean, I feel like being an HR, you know, a specialist, your phone is constantly going off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 24 7 literally 20 right before i hopped on this call i had a work call so oh my gosh one day one day april's phone will not be tied to work in this capacity in yeah. this capacity it'll be tied up in work that not that you don't enjoy what you do because i i think you i i'm sure you do you know yeah. um but i think we all deserve to to live life 
fully and experience it fully. And so often we get tied to our job without mm-hmm. um, really being able to step away and actually live and experience life the way we're supposed to. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of my biggest personality traits to other people is how much I work. Like, it's very much just like, oh, yeah, April works all the time. Like, she's always on her phone with work. Like, she's always there. So that's, to other people, one of my main personality traits for sure. Okay, how about, (laughs) what about (laughs) yourself? How would you describe yourself in three words? Um... A goofy. I'm a little bit goofy. Um, very caring. Um, a little bit spicy, like just goofy, caring, spicy, spicy, nice. Hey, hey, hey. Did you know I wrote a book? It's called The Value Method, Five Steps to Unlocking Your Greatest Potential. And in it, I share just that. Five wildly easy, actionable steps that will set you up to have a greater human experience daily. I've included interactive worksheets and small assignments at the end of each chapter. You're literally creating a living blueprint of your best life. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to purchase your copy and a copy for a friend. Um. <laughs> Spicy dice. <laughs> okay, for anyone who has no idea what that is, can you tell can you tell the people what spicy nice is yeah okay so I saw it on a post and I was like I'm not mean I'm just a little spicy nice like I don't think I'm ever mean to people but I think I bring a little bit of spice in a really loving way like I'm gonna say what's sometimes it doesn't come out loving (laughs) sometimes it can come out a little spicy a little spicy okay so y'all april is is goofy caring and spicy nice spicy nice i'm cracking a little little um little jalapeno (laughs) (laughs) but no cayenne just jalapeno maybe some some ground uh black pepper some red crushed pepper (laughs) dying (laughs) April, what, um, what, what do you have to say that you would want to say if it was, no, not, let me reword that. Give me one second. What is the one thing that you want people to know, um, that holds true in, in everybody's life across the board? What is one truth that you know that you, that you, that other people must know they have to? I think this can be controversial. I don't believe or accept the phrase, you have to love yourself before you can love someone else. I don't accept it. I don't like it. (laughs) I say you can love someone and not love yourself, but you will never accept healthy love and the love you deserve until you know healthy love yourself. So yes, to get healthy love, to get what you deserve, you have to love yourself, but you can love others without loving yourself. And that's where the issue lies. 
It sounds like we're going to have to do a part two. Because <laughs> first of all, you threw me for a loop. Like I had to take a drink because that was spicy. Yeah. That was that was spicy. So you you can love others without loving yourself. Mm-hmm. Go further. If you do do you have time to go further for yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. So I, I just don't think it's true based on like myself. Life experience, <laughs> like lived experience. Okay. Yeah, like I have wholeheartedly loved other people and poured into other people without ever showing myself that love or loving myself or caring for myself. So I think you can love others with your full being and not love yourself. But I do not think that you will have a healthy love. I don't think it'll be fulfilling to you if you don't love yourself first. So you can do it, but it's not going to be healthy. So... unhealthy love is that love yeah i mean i think so yeah i there's different levels of love like obviously everyone wants a healthy long last but i think that still it's you can still love someone it doesn't mean you're meant to be together or it's healthy or like i don't know i love my mother i really do that's not a healthy relationship I have. Doesn't make me love her any less. But I know that's not healthy because the love she can give me isn't healthy because she doesn't love herself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you disagree? I I do not believe that you can love anyone like and like at like a deep and also let me just let me see if I've ever experienced anything like this because you're speaking from experience and I asked you like a fact that you know um so I might have to think about that because I don't I personally don't think you can love someone if you don't love yourself um I think it's a disservice and you're not honoring yourself if you if you can't show up for yourself um, in a in a way that you know you deserve, how do you show up for someone else? I feel like you can explain that. Yeah, so it just goes back to being a people pleaser. And, you know, it. I have loved people and, like, wanted to just do things for them because I didn't love myself enough to do it for me. Like, I love my dad, so I wanted to make him proud. So I did all these things I did I made the grades I went to college I graduated I got a good job like I did all these things because I loved him I wanted him to be proud of me and never once was I really doing those things for myself do you know what I mean so like I was still showing up for him I was still doing these things because I loved him it was never about me and that was a disservice to myself but it doesn't mean I didn't love him gotcha gotcha I love the perspective I love that. I love the the challenge. Yeah. Um, there's there's so many people that you can have discussions with, right? And they'll say something, and you'll be like, mm, I don't agree. <laughs> and then they'll say something like, mm, I don't agree. And then the disconnect is being able to talk it through, like being able to speak 
speak it through and have that conversation, have that dialogue that I still don't think you can love someone, but that does not invalidate your feelings. And yeah. I hope that does not, I hope you don't feel that. Oh, no. The last thing I want to do is invalidate anybody's feelings on my podcast. That is horrible. Um, that, is, that is such a horrible host of me. Like, like you know, your, feelings, <laughs> your experience is trash. Boom. Like, I don't, I don't believe you. Like, that's horrible. Um, but okay, so, so, you, so you can 100% love someone and not love yourself. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. Okay. But I still, I'm very firm in the fact that you won't accept the love you deserve or a healthy love until you do love yourself. So, but, but you have to get to that love first um, in order to really, really appreciate it, accept the love that you deserve. Yeah. And know what to look for, because if you're not showing yourself healthy love, if you don't know what that looks like, because you don't love yourself, you don't know what to look for in other people for them to give that to you. So are you navigating that now? I am. <laughs> um, I'm very consciously dating um, and just trying to not fall into unhealthy relationship patterns. Mm. So, Yeah. Is, have you been successful? So I, far? Time will tell. I am done with you. <laughs> I think with the person I'm seeing I so far so good I, it's taken a lot of work on my end to think about things consciously and I think I said this to you is like okay my feelings are valid but they're not his problem mm -hmm. <laughs> um so not making my feelings someone else's problem when it's based in a feeling and not a fact and also just trying to communicate um and knowing when to expect someone else to be on the same level or to know when I'm overthinking. So okay. Awesome. Awesome. April, I have one one final question for you. This one. Ready? Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so what what is your relationship with resilience? Um I think the things that I have gone through and seen as a child um and even into my adult life i think resilience for me is not simply surviving what you've gone through but thriving from it and knowing that you're capable of doing that gotcha resilience in action what a book. <laughs> fire fire okay all right all right april thank you so much for coming on a podcast finding time in your very, very busy HR specialist day to spend a little bit of time, share a little bit of your story, um, your systems and your strategies of resilience in action. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate and review. And remember, resilience in action will always lead to a greater human experience.